0: Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Boom Boom Birdland. In this episode, you will hear me and John Mioli, who is an Orioles newsletter writer, talk about the Orioles and just what's going on with the Orioles and how their recent success is happening and all that. But before that, um, I had this interview the 24th of May, so last Wednesday, and there are just some stats that are a little off or a little funky that I just want to clear up. So... Uh, they have won three of four against the Yankees. I said they were like one of four at the time. But they are three and four in seven games against the Yankees and won two of three when they won the road against the Yankees. Uh Fray has five home runs. He has six home runs now. Gunner has been a lot better. Uh, we did lose two to three to the Rangers. or Well, lost two of three to the Rangers. But we beat the Rangers today 3-2. And today is Sunday as I'm recording this. Uh, the O's went five and one on the road against the Jays and Yankees. Um, they swept the Jays and lost one game to the Yankees. Uh, in the last game against the Jays, they had a five-run 11th uh, inning as they were tied in three going into that 11th. They lost the series to the Angels. Um, I got a Mountcastle jersey for my birthday, and I've been to four games with it on, and they're 0-4 when I'm wearing it, so I'm probably going to wear my Adley jersey uh, on Monday when I see the Guardians. Uh, Grayson was sent down the morning of the 27th after a horrible start in game one versus the Rangers. Uh, Keegan Aiken was brought up. I did see Otani homer against the Orioles, which was sick, and he pitched the same day. And what I'm also going to do is I'm going to do trivia here, so I'm going to ask you a question. And in the closing, I'm going to answer the question. So this week's question, which Orioles pitcher once gave up four home runs without recording a single out? A, Jeremy Gunthery. B. Sydney Ponson C. Chris Doman D. Dylan Bundy So you'll have to listen to the podcast or just skip to the end um, to figure it out. But I hope you enjoy the interview and I will see you after.
1: Pons to our left side. Hey, what's up? What's going on, man?
0: Uh, first off, thank you for coming on. I really appreciate it.
1: Yeah, you're welcome. You're welcome. Sorry.
0: Also, uh, how does it feel being the uh, women's club hockey coach? It's pretty cool.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's great. I uh, I went to Loyola. I played club hockey there for probably like you know, obviously four years, and then uh, coached them for a little bit. And they started the women's team in 2015 and asked if they needed a head coach, and it was awesome. I was. I was happy to do it. Girls are a little easier to deal with than college <laughs> boys, if you can believe that. Mm-hmm. I mean, so when I was
0: at uh, Kent State, so I transferred to Towson. When I was at Kent State, I was the equipment manager for the club
1: hockey team. Most fun oh, awesome. thing
0: ever! It was so fun. So I'm going to do it at Towson now because I love it.
1: Awesome! But, um, yeah, they. Uh, yeah, they used to play at Ice World. Where, where, where we did, I don't know where they play anymore.
0: I think that's where they still play. I could be wrong
1: though. Yeah.
0: So, obviously, like, as a head coach uh, for the club hockey team and with the Orioles newsletter, how do you balance that?
1: Uh, it's, it's a lot. Uh, um, <laughs> it, it, it's, been, it's been pretty good seasonally. Um, I, you know, when I was full-time doing the, uh, you know, covering the team for the Baltimore Sun, it would basically be we would go until, you know, the Orioles season would end when the season ended. Uh, mm-hmm. There was no playoffs at that point, so it would be October. And then, you know, there were a couple of years where hockey season literally just started, uh, you know, the day after baseball season ended, and then you know, our mm-hmm. season basically ended when I would have to go down to spring training. There was a little bit of overlap on that front, made for some interesting trips back to to Baltimore for a couple of days to finish up the season. But you know, it, it's it's a good it, it's a good balance. Yeah.
0: So through the season so far, what have you seen from this team? What improvements from last year, and then disapprovements?
1: Um, I I think this team is. First of all, has has a deeper lineup um, overall. I think Adam Frazier is a clear upgrade over Rugnet Odor. Odor. Um, you're seeing a full year of Adley Rutschman, a full year of Gunnar Henderson. Even though he hasn't really come around as well as you you would you would hope he is yet, I think the signs are there that he will. But I think that you know between those guys for a full season, those upgrades and in, in you know Frazier for O'Dor and getting the best versions of. Austin Hayes and Cedric Mullen. So far, I think this team's really, you know, exceeding my expectations, at least, or or, or outperforming offensively. Um, I, I it, 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 on the other side, I think that I was a little, I was hoping there would be a little more consistency from from the starting rotation. Those guys, I think you're getting a little bit now with Cal Bradish and Dean Kramer. I think that it took a little bit of time. Um, for them to kind of get settled, I and mean, they're both pitching well at this point, but I think that there's there, there's room for consistency there.
0: So, as you know, with the World Baseball Classic, Anthony Santander was not the best in April, but he's obviously started to heat up. Do you think that affected it?
1: Probably. I think that it was you know, it was a pretty disjointed start to his uh, you know season. It's hard to go from playing you know in front of a couple thousand people and at one o'clock in the afternoon in Sarasota to To the WBC and back again, Um, but but I think one of the beauties of this Orioles lineup is that they have at this point, you know, there's no real dead spots in the lineup. They have guys who can get hot and carry you for a week um, up and down the lineup. And I think it's really just his turn. And and since he got it going, I think this offense has been a lot better.
0: What do you think about Grayson right now? Of course, like he's just been up, but like I,
1: I, I think that. It's good to get this experience that he has. Um, I think that he is. I've seen him pitch better than he has um, in the big leagues. When I when I would go to Bowie or mm-hmm. or Aberdeen or wherever and see him pitch in the minors, I, you know, I went. I saw probably saw him pitch a dozen times or a half dozen times throughout his minor league career. Um, I think his stuff is similar, but not as crisp. And I think that he's being challenged in how he is um, forced to attack major league hitters. I think that's been. I think that's been pretty apparent, and he's learning something you can really only learn at this level, which is that to, you know, get major league hitters out, you have to, you know, have pitches that look like strikes and go to, you know, turn into balls. Yeah. You can't you can't just throw the ball in the strike zone and say this stuff is better than anything they've ever seen before, and they're not going to hit it uh, because it's not a lot of guys have good stuff in the big leagues. And, and you know, that's a lesson you can only learn in, in the majors, and I'm glad the Orioles are letting him do that. Mm-hmm. So I know the
0: bullpen for the O's, I think it's 109 innings pitched. I could be wrong. It's something around that. Um, And I'm pretty sure we would need a starting pitcher at the trade deadline. What would you go after at the trade deadline?
1: I I think if the Orioles can get, you know, a a starting pitcher who's under control for two, you know, two seasons, not two seasons after this, but this season and at least next year, um, I think they need to think pretty hard about doing that. Um, I think the bullpen – it, it, they have the pieces to to get through a season with what they have now um i think that if they can go out and you know make a trade for a starter it'll probably hurt it'll hurt a good bit like let's not get ourselves uh you know to get a frontline starting pitcher you're going to have to trade a prospect that is really uh that is really you know that people like you might probably have to trade two or three of them but this is a team that's going to be in the playoff. Um, when I was in Aberdeen last night, there were scouts telling me, you know, they got to do something. They're going to be in the mix. And, then, like, it's different than it's been in the past. And, and they're going to have to make some, some kind of move. And I think the pitching one is going to be where they do it.
0: So, talking about Aberdeen, um, I saw Jackson playing dumarva this year, actually, before he went up to Aberdeen. Um, he's beyond amazing. Just from watching him, how amazing is he?
1: he he's, he's really – It's really impressive how he's been able to do what he's done so far. Um, You know, he it's not just the plate discipline and like knowing like not to swing at borderline pitches and knowing not to swing at balls. Like that's a big part of his game. He walks a ton. Um, And, and, you know, pitchers honestly are afraid to come into the strike zone on him because he can, he can get, make good contact and elevate the ball no matter where they throw it in the strike zone. But he has an understanding. And I wrote about this uh, today for the Baltimore banner. I mean, he has a real understanding of, of what his pitch is and how to, and how to, you know, how to, attack it uh it's yeah. not just that he knows you know i shouldn't swing at this because it's a foot outside the strike zone you know some guys know that some guys don't but but to be able to apply that and say also this is going to be a pitch that i can elevate i can you know i can i could pull this down the right field line for a home run i could smack this uh you know through the left side for a single like he knows how to do that and 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 that's one of the more impressive things about him to me
0: so obviously from last year to this year like first off they've started a hot like Crazy how, like, I wouldn't think they'd be thirty-one and seventeen. How do you evolve like that quick? In in your opinion,
1: I, I think it goes back to something that happened around this time last year. I mean, this team went from being, you know, on a on another ninety-plus loss win or mm-hmm. ninety-plus loss pace uh, to being a team that was over five hundred and and playing a lot better than that. The second that Adley Rutschman got up, uh, I know mm-hmm. there's a lot. I know there's a lot of other things that went into it. Um, but that's you know that's the simplest answer that I can think of. I mean, he is, he has helped their pitching staff. I believe after 162 games of him in the big leagues, the pitching staff had like a full run ERA lower than they did before he got there. Um, in the previous 162 games, um, you know, he he's impacted that part of the game. He's probably won them four or five games. You know, just on walk-offs mm-hmm. with that alone, it's it. it it, it's pretty impressive what he's been able to do. Um, but I think that any ex- explanation of how this team turns it around so quickly starts with him.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, talking about Adley, I know Julio uh, Rodriguez's uh, contract was extended last year. Uh, how come do you think they didn't extend Adley's yet?
1: That That's a fantastic question. Um, I, I think there's a lot of people around baseball, around the Orioles, around uh, – You know, run the Orioles fan base that want to know the same thing. Uh, The reality is that to agree to a contract um, of the type that the Orioles and Adley Rushman would need to agree to, you know, they would have to be willing to pay him more than, you know, the league Mm -hmm. minimum this year and more than, you know, what he would make in salary arbitration in in the coming years. And Mm -hmm. he would have to be willing to give up some of the money he could make in free agency um, beyond that and maybe take a discount that way. And I think that it's going to be really hard for them to find a sweet spot that that allows both people to make a deal that they feel happy with because the Orioles, um, I couldn't tell you why, but they are pretty adamant about keeping their payroll low at this point Mm -hmm. um, and and not committing money long-term. I think even though this front office wasn't here uh, for the Chris Davis experience, you know, Mm -hmm. there's still a lot of – Carryover effect on how that's made you know this organization feel about payroll and long term commitments. Uh, and Adley Rutschman, you know, he's a catcher. He puts he's you see what he's done since he's yeah. been called up to the Orioles. He plays like every single day, even if he's not catching. He's putting a lot of mileage on his body as a catcher. You're really going to only get one bite at that free agent apple, so mm-hmm. you you don't want to sell it out for less than it's worth. And I think that's creating a pretty difficult dynamic. I think
0: as a Baltimore fan. It's just like hard for me to like think. I want him to extend him already because like the whole Lamar thing, all that. It's just like I don't. I don't need to go through that again. My heart did not need to go through that again.
1: But, um, I, I, yeah.
0: <laughs> but uh, with Gunner, obviously he started. He started off slow. Um, personally, I think like they should put him in Triple A. Obviously, give him the most reps possible. Maybe put him in the first like spot in the lineup. What do you think they should do with Gunner?
1: I, I think that the worst is over for him um truthfully you know when he was struggling a lot in april and into the beginning of may it was because he was being very very passive at the plate Mm -hmm. um you know the orioles throughout the minor leagues tell their players um for better or worse i think it's largely a pretty good philosophy like you don't have to swing at borderline pitches just to protect the strike zone like hunt pitches over the heart of the plate that you can drive because that's where, if you look at any big league stars, you know, heat map, that's where they do the most damage. So let's focus on the pitches. We can do the most damage and Gunnar Henderson took that to heart and didn't do a lot of swinging on pitches at the fringe Mm -hmm. of the strike zone. So he's, he's getting himself into, into pitchers counts. He's getting himself punched out on pitches that he doesn't think are strikes. Um, And he wasn't being super aggressive on those pitches over the heart of the plate, either. I think that's changed a little bit. I think they're. I think that you know. I think that that experience of getting through that is good for him. I think that you know his his batting average, which I don't really care about, is over two hundred. Um, you know his OPS has been climbing all month. Uh, I think that he's probably through whatever was going mm-hmm. on, but it's a good lesson for the Orioles to uh to make sure that you know they these prospects on the hitting side that come up know that you know. Just because we've been telling you this all the way through doesn't mean you have to, You can just let strikes go in the big leagues when the games count.
0: So obviously, talking about prospects, Joey Ortiz obviously came up this season. Do you think they brought him up too fast? I mean, I think perfect timing. Um, I'm just curious why they would bring him up already and before Cowser, personally.
1: Yeah, I, a lot of that has to do with his uh, you know, him being on the 40-man roster mm-hmm. and, and some of the other guys, Cowser, Jordan Westberg, uh, to name a few, not being on the roster. It's just, it's just an unfortunate reality of the game. You know, back in 2019, Brian Mountcastle just played the whole year in AAA and won the league MVP, but he was never going to get called up because he wasn't on on the 40-man roster, and teams don't really like to add players before they have to. I think you, you you've seen with Joey Ortiz, DL Hall coming up, you know, as the 26th man or 27th man, whatever it was, during that doubleheader that the Orioles are willing to use these prospects, you know whatever way they can to help them win the games in front of them, you know, development and having these guys be the best versions of themselves once they do get up full time is still a priority, but but if it means being in the big leagues and playing every other day uh, to help the Orioles win and, and to push them on this playoff chase, I think you're going to get that.
0: What's also cool is with uh, Aiken. They sent him down, I think a few weeks ago and I thought at that time, they should sent both down. But since then, Voth has picked his stuff up. I don't know if that's like he was worried he was going to get sent down. I don't know. But like that mindset is crazy how he just changed it that quick.
1: Yeah. I mean, he had a really tough start. I think he gave up home runs in his first five Mm -hmm. uh, appearances. But, you know, in the same way that Joey Ortiz being on the roster was helpful to him, Austin Voth is, you know, making a guaranteed salary, uh, you know, north of a million dollars this year. and the alternative to having him on the roster for the Orioles is, is to pay him that money to pitch in triple a or pay him that money to pitch for another team. Um, and I don't think they want to do that. This is not a team that can, can be flipped with, mm-hmm. you know, with that kind of money. So he was, you know, his status. And I think seeing up another guy that's come around um, after struggling, but those guys are making, you know, guaranteed money over the league minimum. And for that reason, and the fact they don't have minor league options, you know, it's probably it's probably gonna mean they're they're gonna get a pretty long leash in, and they both have taken advantage of that and turned it around so recently.
0: So talking about the bullpen still, um, personally I think Bautista was way better
1: last year. What is your opinion on that? I think the outcomes were a lot better. I I, I don't think anybody who's watched um mm-hmm. on a regular basis would would say that his stuff has been as crisp or as dominant as it was um last year this year. I, I, I wouldn't say that it's the impact of that as has been as severe. Obviously, last night, you know, I think there were a lot of people who I think part of the surprise of what happened, um, you know, on Monday night against the Yankees was that he was pumping like 102 and just like throwing some of his best fastballs in the strike zone, uh, just blowing guys away. And then he just makes that pitch um, and hangs it to judge. I, I, it, it's been interesting. It seems like he's he's coming around like like a lot of these guys, but 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 i don't think that it's been as dominant as it has been which isn't to say that it hasn't been good i think he's been pretty good so far
0: um so personally they've been scoring i think what five or lower runs in the past few games um i think they scored more they scored eight against the blue jays that one game but um do you think they should be scoring more runs why aren't they scoring more runs is there any personal reason for that do you think
1: i I don't know if there's any specific reason i think that I think that a lot of the when they were scoring a lot early, they were playing, they were facing, you know, pitching staffs that aren't as good as the ones they are now. I mean, this stretch, Mm -hmm. basically for the last three weeks, playing the Braves, the Rays, um, the Pirates, to a lesser extent, but you know, than the Angels and the Blue Jays and the Yankees, like they're facing a lot better starters um, who are pitching deeper into games. The Orioles, especially early in the season, really feasted on other teams' bullpens, and early in the season, you get to bullpens earlier because starters aren't as built up you know you might only get five from a starter which means you know on any given night you may be facing you know the soft part of a bullpen They took a lot of advantage of that i think that comes it comes in fits and starts i this is like i said a team that has a lot of people who can drive um who who can kind of get hot and carry them um it's just a matter of who's on base when they're up and, and and i think it'll probably come around soon
0: so right now i'm thinking that they traded mancini just because of space um also they have mountcastle right now um right now compared to like last year why do you think they traded mancini
1: well i think they traded trey mancini you know it's an unfortunate reality of how this team has operated um you know under mike elias since he took over in 2019 where if a player is nearing free agency about to hit free agency um getting close to free agency in any meaningful way and making a lot of money. The Orioles are going to take the chance to, to trade them for players who are going to be around for longer. Um, you know, it was pretty unfortunate how that all played out, you know, given what Trey Mancini has done for this team mm-hmm. over the last, uh, you know, his entire career, you just have to kind of, you just, you know, it, it was pretty unfortunate. I, you know, I was a big fan of him around the clubhouse and interacting with him when I was doing that. Um, but, you know, they traded him because they wanted to get players who might be able to help longer term than somebody who's going to walk in free agency. Uh, he ended up getting a ring out of it. Um, and, and I think, it, you know, depending on how those pitchers turned out, it might work out well for both sides.
0: I mean, with the Lopez trade, it worked out amazing. We got Cano, we got uh, Povich, and then who else did we get? We got someone in um, Norfolk. Who but yeah,
1: there are two pitchers from uh, – that who that that were down in the complex leagues in that deal too, and I've heard good things about them too. But with yeah, Cano's obviously been fantastic this year. Kade Povich, a really interesting lefty, uh, in the buoy rotation. That trade that trade did work out.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, so I've been thinking about this just because Bautista sometimes gets upset, not always. What if you had Cano as the closer and Bautista as the setup? Do you think that would work?
1: I'm I'm sure it could. I don't think the Orioles are really close to getting to that point. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think. It took a while for Batista to to earn that role last year, and he was starting to get those deep setup roles, um, and kind of took it over after the Lopez trade. But th- even with him, uh, you know, he was starting to close games out and kind of get those feel that feeling of pitching in the ninth inning with a lead. You know, mm-hmm. all the way back to like the middle of the previous season in Bowie, and then going up to Norfolk shortly after that. Um, you know, this is all. Like, literally even just pitching well, it's like relatively new for you know, your cadeau, given what he was able to do in his minor league career. So I think it might mm-hmm. be a little early for him to close. Um It's something that to happen to Batista. I'm sure it's an option, but I don't think it's something you or else are thinking about right now.
0: So obviously we talked about Grayson a little bit from the first start with the A's till now, have you seen progress?
1: I have. Um, I, th- I think, it, I think it, it's just broadly been inconsistent. Um, you, you you see some nights where he's able to locate his off-speed stuff or some nights where he's able to get swinging as some nights where he's really not you know there's there's been a couple teams who have just decided like hey we're not swinging at your slider we're not swinging at your changeup we're going to make you throw your fastball in the zone and we're going to swing and we're going to hit it um i i think that he is making progress on making those other pitches a little more enticing a little more dangerous um so that hitters do swing at him and and, and i think we're seeing that but it doesn't happen overnight. And I still, I'm still a pretty big believer in Grayson Rodriguez.
0: So who is your biggest surprise by this year? And this could be either minor league or major league.
1: Minor league or major league. Um, I am pretty surprised by, we'll, we'll say Heston Kerstad. You know, I, I, I left him outside the baseball America top 10 this year. He was number 12 um, just based on what he was able to do last year. I know the circumstances I've, you know, I, I I wrote about it all, I cover it all, and the reality was that last year he was not he did he didn't show the signs of being capable of doing what he's done this year. Um and you could say that he just basically had like a four month long spring training once he once he got to Del Marva in June last year. Mm-hmm. And and this is like, you know, him being back to him. Um I think that he's hitting in a very favorable place in Bowie. Um, and and I think that he is materially improved from the player that I saw a few times last year. Um, and, and for that reason, I think he's probably the biggest surprise for me. Even though he was a number two pick, and like this was mm-hmm. the kind of guy the Orioles signed up for when they drafted him there.
0: So, what do you think about the City Connect jerseys? And would you change them at all?
1: I think they're fine. <laughs> um, I, <laughs> I, I I'm I'm not like you know. I think there are a lot cooler ones around the league. Um, I think the Orioles – I I, I think they're broadly, like, on their own fine. Like, if you don't compare them to other City Connect jerseys, Mm -hmm. um, like, they don't look that bad. Um, I think that the design is pretty cool. I'm I'm more of a fan of the simple – you know, something simple than something crazy. Uh, I think the interior design is pretty cool. Um, It's just that there are teams that have – Cool ones, like they, I think everybody knows the cool ones. Um, everybody has seen those. Uh, it might be a little limiting, like having the Orioles' colors be what they are. Like they have three colors: they have black, orange, and white. Like they're not going to make another white jersey. Um, yeah. They're they're they could do an all orange jersey. That would be kind of crazy. They've done that before. It would be pretty interesting to see that happen. Um, and then they were left with black. So like I, I don't mind it if I if I was able, to, you know, if I wasn't covering the team and. And, and you know, doing what I'm doing, I would probably cop one of the hats. Um, <laughs> but 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 I am, and uh, and I'll have to wait until uh until I've moved on from the banner and I'll do that.
0: So, personally, I think it would be sick if they instead of Baltimore and like a cursive font, so like Charm City, I think that would be pretty cool.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think they I, I haven't seen anything like this. I'm, I wonder if that was like copyrighted, honestly. Um, I, I wonder if they ran into some like, copyright issues with that. I hadn't really thought about that. I should probably mm. look at it. But I know there was like a Charm City football uh-huh. deal that the Ravens tried to copyright last year. And I think that they were denied that. But I could just be talking out, out of my backside.
0: <laughs> so,
1: honestly, givet's came
0: up recently. I think he he pitched against the Blue Jays. Did he pitch against the Yankees last night? He might have. Yeah. Um, what do you think of him so far?
1: Um, you know, I think it's going to be a long road to him for him to get back to what he was. Um, I think it'll be a lot better once he does get, you know, get his stuff going and start feeling comfortable with his, with his knee and with his, with his arsenal. Um, that he's not going to have to be pitching at the back end of games. You know, if you go back to the beginning of his career, twenty fifteen, whatever it was, twenty sixteen, those early years under Buck Showalter when the Orioles had Zach Britton and Darren O'Day and Brad Brock, like Michael Gibbons would be brought in in big situations, like. After a starter, put two guys on in the fifth or sixth inning, and he would leave them there. Um, that was he was really good at that. Um he has the ability to kind of amp up and get the outs that you need in those senses. In in that sense, I think that as his time with the Orioles progressed and you know, Zach Britton gets traded, Brad Brock gets traded, Darren O'Day gets hurt, um, you know, all those guys move on and he became the closer, you know, the late inning, like I need to protect this lead, you know, with a clean inning in the ninth guy, that never really suited him. So I think Michael Gibbons is going to be a lot more effective in that, like middle innings, like come in with two guys on and one out and leave them there role than than what Brandon Hyde was asking him to do in 2019. And I think that'll be better for both parties.
0: Uh, Talking about Michael Gibbons, obviously, Dylan takes close. What do you expect from him when he comes up?
1: I hope that he's the Dylan Tate uh, of years past. I think I, I think he's one of the more underappreciated um, Orioles to be to be perfectly honest. Mm-hmm. And I think that what he's able to do and what he's given this team, you know, through the lean years and until through last year, and obviously pitching, you know, I think I think he was probably pitching had not 100% toward down the stretch last year. I think he has given this team a lot. I think he's pretty. He's, he's incredibly effective. Um, And I think that he doesn't get the credit that some other people have in the past for doing that kind of work. And So I I hope, honestly, that he comes back and he's that guy. Um, I don't know that his rehab assignments have gone as well as you want. It's pretty tricky stuff to come back from, you know, a flexor strain like he had. You know, Mike Bauman did the same thing in 2020, and it was almost a full year. Even though he was back on the mound in 2021 pitching, you know, at Bowie for most of the year and then Norfolk – it it was it took a while for him to get back to feeling comfortable with that and, and i wonder what's happened if that's what's happening with Dylan tate so the start actually just
0: came up to my mind uh what's his name um john means is going to come back i think july something like that um or around that time do you think if he comes back and he's amazing that we might not have to trade for a starting pitcher or do you think we'd still have to trade for one
1: i th- i think you still have to um I think there's a lot of pitchers in the Orioles rotation right now who are, have not pitched a full major league season. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Grayson Rodriguez obviously one of them, but Dean Kramer missed a good bit of time last year with an oblique injury at the beginning of the season. Um, Kyle Bradish was up and down also had, I believe a, a decent chunk of time on the injured list with a shoulder injury, Tyler Wells. Um, missed most of the second half, um, the last two months of the season at least. So so John Meads will be nice to have back, but I think the Orioles are pretty, you know, they, they are going to need more than him because they're going to have to make a lot of accommodations for the guys who are in the rotation. So
0: I know there's players like Adel and Cease, who's not doing the best right now. Um, would you think the O should go after someone who's good but not doing the best right now or someone that's great like an ace?
1: Um, I, I would probably put him in, in in both categories. I think he's been really a really good pitcher in the past. Obviously, you know, if you're going to go after, you know, do what you know the Astros did and go get a Justin Verlander, you know, you're going to have to pay a, a pretty steep price for that. Um, I think that I would be fascinated to see them take someone who they think has good stuff and an arsenal that is maybe not utilized in the most effective or efficient way and get a guy who's going to buy in a little bit and say, Oh, maybe I'll throw my slider more or, Oh, maybe I will stop throwing my sinker because it's a terrible pitch. Uh, you know, something like that and, and take advantage of that, maybe buy low on somebody, but I don't think they should get too cute with it. I think if there's a, there, if there's a pitcher, they think can slot into the top half of their rotation, um, and they can get them, they should do that. They shouldn't just wait for somebody who's, you know, they might be able to get a bargain on.
0: Um, who would you want them to pick? Or take a
1: trade, as in acquire. Um, yeah, I've I've thought a lot about Cease. Uh, you know, maybe I know Corbin Burns isn't having the best season. Like you know, any of those guys who are under control for for multiple years, I would I would look hard at, um, because by that point, they will know whether this is like a multi-year project that they can sustain. I I personally think it is. Um, mm-hmm. But this is the time you need to make some kind of move because sitting here two months ago, you would have thought the Orioles were in fantastic shape with their triple A depth. And now, you know, Kyle Stowers didn't hit in the big leagues. Now he's on the injured list in Norfolk. Colton kather's on the injured list in Norfolk with um, a quad injury. and Theo Hall's on some weird ramp up program. You know, it's hard to guarantee that these guys are going to be healthy and productive for the whole year. Um, mm-hmm. So while you have the ammo to make those trades, you, you might want to do it
0: so obviously we talked about Kierstead, hall Cowser. is there anyone that's underrated that get more uh recognition either like maybe people from delmarva i don't know people that people don't know about
1: um i think i think one of the beauties of this you know ha- having been bad for as long as they are people focus on the farm system a lot for the orioles and and there's a decent understanding i think people are going to start to get to know samuel basayo um, he's been Catcher signed out of the Dominican Republic. Who's playing Bill Marver right now? Um, mm-hmm. Big guy hits the gotcha. ball very hard. Swings at everything. He's gonna have. It's gonna be a little bit of a process for him to get up to the big leagues. Uh, it's gonna take some time, but I think he's a guy coming on the radar. And I think that just because the Orioles don't take pitchers high in the draft, they don't. Um, you know, there's not a lot of prospect buzz around their pitchers, um, but. I have been to, you know, a half dozen or at least uh, games in Aberdeen and Bowie this year. And I constantly see pitchers with major league quality pitches who were drafted on the third day of the draft and are, are the types of names that like only like people who really, really care about their farm system would know about. Uh, so, so I think that one of my goals this year as I'm writing about the team for the banner is going to be to kind of shine some light on those players and, and let people know that those pitchers exist.
0: So um, this is just because obviously I uh, interviewed him and I actually went to uh, Del Marva to see him. Well, it was both Creed Willems and Maxwell Costas. What do you think of both of them?
1: Yeah. Creed's having a lot better year this year. Um, I, I know that, you know, I wrote a little bit something about him for baseball America and he really, um, you know, the coaches there were really impressed with how he kind of took his lumps last year and realized he needed to improve. Uh, he needed to improve against breaking stuff. He needed to, improved his body and he's done that um it's it's really and it's good to see him doing that i wonder how long he'll be there given what he's been able to do so far this year um as far as maxwell costas i haven't seen him play a ton um i feel like a lot of the games i was at whether it was Del Marva or aberdeen he hasn't been in the lineup but but always out there working hard always you know I don't think I've seen him not smiling uh, at any point at, at before games, during games, after games, and I think that's a, you know, that's a valuable trait too. But, but I know, I know he does a lot of things the organization likes. Not a not a guy who swings and misses a lot. He makes a lot of good contact, uh, doesn't chase, and and I think those are things that, that that can take somebody far in the Orioles organization.
0: So of course, and I've really noted it this year, um, you can see that the O's have played well against like every team but the Yankees. I think we're 1-4 against the Yankees so far. Um, what bump do you think they have to overcome to be better than the Yankees?
1: I think I think it's honestly a lot about just, you know, getting Aaron Judge out. I don't <laughs> think there's anything to it. Um, you know, and as, as as we're talking, you know, Vanessa Cortez, you know, crafty lefty, a guy who can – is the type of pitcher that can give the Orioles a lot of, of problems, you know? But, but I think broadly it's, you know, it's Aaron Judge. You know, he's – he was the MVP for a reason they have done better than him against him than they have in the past, but it's still going to take a lot to, uh, to to get him out as consistently as they
0: need. Honestly, great for Nestor Cortez being amazing, but as an O's fan, it sucks in my opinion, because we had him at, at one point, same with, same with Jake Arrieta. Um, we had him at one point and then he comes back and just destroys us. So like, I don't know, it's baseball, but it happens.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nestor Cortez, that was a, he was uh, you know, he, he might he wasn't the pitcher he is now then. Uh, but he got a little bit of a raw deal for sure. So between Gibson,
0: Frazier, and Irvin, what pickup do you think was the most effective?
1: I think I think Fraser, Um, you know, if it was up to me, Jordan Westberg would have just been playing every day at second base or on the roster and you figure out between him and Henderson and Mateo and Arias, you know, who's in there every day. Um but if they wanted to go out and get you know, a veteran-type player for that, I think he's completely serviceable, and I think that's good. Kyle Gibson as well. Um, I know they, they thought he was a lot better um, than the market did. They thought they got a good deal there, and and who's to say that they didn't? But I think Frazier's probably the one for me.
0: Yeah, I would say that too. Personally, I know Frazier had three home runs last year. He's already got five. I mean, you see him hitting every time he needs a clutch hit, gets that clutch hit. So I think, I think just having that bat and, of course, having that veteran presence. Um, same with Gibson, but those two having the veteran presence. Um, I would say Mullins has a veteran presence, too. You could back me up on that, but yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It is interesting. You know, I've been thinking about that. Cedric Mullins, um, you know, Austin Hayes, Anthony Santander. These guys are obviously, like, in their primes. They've been around for a while. They had their ups and downs, you know, all of them got sent down at one point or another after they got called up to the big leagues you know they took their lumps they have had good seasons bad seasons since then but like these are guys in their primes so you need guys like that you know if you need an adley rushman obviously you need a Gunnar henderson but to have players you know who, who are in their primes and, and playing the best baseball that they have at a time like this is, is pretty effective
0: so do you have a favorite game so far this season
1: Favorite game, opening day, for sure. Um, the home, the opening game up in Boston, I feel like for like two weeks, they just played the craziest games. Um, you know, the bullpen wasn't really firing on all cylinders. A lot of weird stuff was happening. Um, they would build these big leads, and then they would lose them, and then they would take leads again, and <laughs> it would just be white knuckles. <laughs> going to, uh, it would just be white knuckles, you know, all mm-hmm. the way through. They're, they're still tense games, but they're not as crazy. Uh, but it was pretty fun when they're crazy. I just... Just every time I would go, I'd be like, turn to the people in the press box next to me, like, these guys are insane. This is going to be a crazy season. And it turned out it's just, it's calmed down, but I was enjoying it.
0: So, as a kid, you probably watched Mariano Rivera. Um, how does Bautista's entrance compare to that?
1: Gosh, I can't imagine. You know, I'm trying to think of uh, you know, whether like that strobe light deal would have played, uh, would have played at Yankee Stadium in, in, in October. I feel like it's a little it was a little more organic with their, with, with Rivera's, you know, Batista's. he just kind of started like that's what they were doing last year. And, and, and it's cool, but you know, Rivera's took it up a notch in October and, and I, I if, if Felix pitched, I don't think he actually did pitch in October last year because the season only went three days into October and he went on the injured list two weeks before. So I think it'll, t- it'll feel different when there's 30 some thousand people, you know, in a playoff game at Camden yards. And that's when you can really compare.
0: And then finally, with the bird bath and everything and all these celebrations, um, how easy is it for you to write about this amazing team now that they're way better?
1: Very, so it's a lot easier. Um, you know, there were, I, I want to say the last game of the homestand against the Angels, um, you know, it was it was it felt very different than it did. Mm-hmm. It, you know, before COVID, when I'd be writing game stories and the Orioles would be winning and or coming back, and, like, I didn't have any expectation that they would win any of those games because mm-hmm. they weren't very good. And, you know, that game was a the game they ultimately ended up losing. But, you know, they were down early, and they came back, and I just kind of had a feeling they would come back. And it makes it a lot – you feel like you're writing about something that matters. When the team was bad, you know, you didn't give the Major League team a lot of attention. I spent a lot of time – in Bowie and Aberdeen and Frederick and wherever else to, uh, try to find stories that people might care about. And that was a lot of fun, but it's a lot more fun to show up at Camden yards every day and have something that matters happen.
0: And then thank you for coming on. I want to tell you the reason I reached out to you though, is, uh, cause I know Jerry Coleman had you on his podcast. Um, and I follow that every now and then cause I love Jerry love his, I love listening to him in the morning. Well, used to listening in the morning. Um, I think when I was like 16, 17, uh, we met up with him cause so I went to lab school, which is okay. like, so his sister worked there. So I ended up getting to meet up with him, which was sick, but yeah. Thank you for coming on.
1: Yeah. No, glad to have uh, glad to, glad to do it, man. Good luck with everything. Thank you. Same to you. All right.
0: Awesome. Thanks man. Talk to you soon. Hey guys. Um, I hope you enjoyed the interview as much as I did. Um, I hope you learned a thing or two. I know I did, at least. Um, so the trivia answer, but, well, the question was, if you don't remember, which Orioles pitcher once gave up four home runs without recording a single out? The answer is Dylan Bundy, and it was on May 8th, 2018, against the Kansas City Royals. So hopefully when we play the Royals in like a week, that does not happen again. Um, game two um, against Cleveland will be today. Game three is Wednesday. Then the O's are going to be away against San Fran for three and Milwaukee for three. And then back home to face the Royals for three games next week. If I don't have a guest, I'm trying to get a guest on. I might not be able to. We'll see. Um, if not, I'll talk about the three series that I just mentioned, um, the San Fran, Milwaukee and Kansas city series and other stuff happening with the Orioles. But again, thank you guys for listening. Um, I love making content for you. Oh, Oh, one more thing. So, I might do another interview segment thing. So, like I might go to games like a little early and like interview fans um and just get their opinions about the Orioles and that type of stuff and just ask questions um to get their opinions, get their thoughts cuz I think that would be pretty cool. So, if you really want to see that, send me a DM, tell me um if you want to be one of those people to get interviewed. Send me a DM, tell me when you go to the game. I'll try to be there. I mean, I don't go to every game. I go to a lot, though. I've been to 11 games this year, um, which is beyond crazy um, because I went to 11 last season, so I've already matched it. Um, But, yeah, with that, thank you guys for listening. And, as always, Go-O's!